Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Radio Havana Cuba, and NHK World Radio Japan. We will begin with France 24. Giant oil corporations announced yet another quarter of record-breaking profits. Some countries are considering a temporary or windfall tax on the companies, and some are establishing government refunds for consumers. Overshoot Day is the day of the calendar year when humans have consumed all the resources that the Earth can generate for that year. Every year it is becoming earlier and earlier, and this year it was reached on July 28th. In 1970, it was reached on December 31st. The date is calculated by the Global Footprint Network, and a spokesperson for them explains the increasing threat and search for alternatives. Due to a temporary cutback in gas supplies from Russia, European Union members agreed to accept a 15% cutback in gas use from August to March. France 24. Energy giants Shell and Total have announced yet another quarter of record-breaking profits. They plan to buy back a combined $8 billion worth of shares in the coming months. The parent company of British Gas also reported first-half operating profits that were five times higher than a year earlier. Energy companies have been coming under growing pressure as they continue to reap the benefits of high global oil and gas prices. Some countries are considering a temporary tax on those profits to offset the pain for consumers. Spain's government submitted a draft bill on the idea this Thursday, while UK lawmakers approved plans for a 25% windfall tax earlier this month. Well, let's speak to our London correspondent, Benedict Pavio now. Benedict, the UK is facing inflation of over 9%. Energy prices make up a huge part of that. These record profits must be a bit hard to swallow for people who are struggling to pay their bills. Yeah, very hard for millions of people. So as the UK faces a cost of living crisis and UK consumers uh, face crippling energy bills that they simply don't know how they're going to pay, uh, and that's people who have jobs, um, two energy giants, Shell and British Gas, uh, the British owner of Centrica, have announced huge profits. So Shell saw its profits soar and hit a new all-time high with second quarter profits of £9.5 billion. Pounds. That's nearly £10 billion. Pounds. As for Centrica, the parent company of British Gas, it recorded an increase in operating profits uh, to £1.34 billion. Pounds. So speaking, as you mentioned, of the windfall tax, the scale of the oil companies profits has uh, really prompted the UK government and, and huge pleas from the opposition, uh, notably the Labour Party, uh, to for demands for the introduction of windfall tax to redistribute some of those uh, profits. So this is, as I said, happening in the middle of a 
leadership uh, campaign between, as we know, former Chancellor Rishi Sunak and current Foreign Secretary Liz Truss. And of course, that leadership campaign will lead to a new uh, Tory leader, but also to a new UK prime minister and cabinet and government in early September. So Liz Truss has said she would not impose a windfall tax despite uh, record profits for energy firms. She says that uh, that kind of tax damages investment, discourages business from setting up shop in the UK. Uh, but the end of May, Chancellor, then Chancellor Rishi Sunak, announced what he called, quote, a temporary targeted energy profits levy of 25%, but with a 90% tax relief for firms that invest in oil and gas extraction in the UK. And Benedict, as you mentioned, this cost of living crisis is really dominating the leadership contest within the Conservative Party. What concrete measures might come in to help households and businesses in the coming months? Well, the UK government has said that every household in the UK will get an energy bill discount of £400 this autumn. Uh, others, um, people who are already in fuel poverty uh, and hard up, poorer households will get more help. Uh, and that is all part of a package of new measures uh, to tackle uh, rising prices. But a top consumer expert uh, today has warned that more needs to be done, not in a few months' time, not waiting till September, but right now. And he's urging the two Conservative candidates battling to succeed Boris Johnson and become the new UK Prime Minister uh, to act now, to announce more measures now. So the question is, Will uh, Martin Lewis's call be heard by Mr. Sunak and Ms. Truss at a time when the prices of food, petrol, broadband, taxes and many other essentials uh, are rising here? All right, Benedict Pavio, thank you so much for all the latest from London. Every year it creeps in a little earlier, the day when humanity has consumed all the resources the Earth can generate for that year. From this day, the Earth is living on borrowed credit until December 31st. The Earth has a lot of stock, so we can deplete Earth for some time, but we cannot overuse it forever. It's like with money. We can spend more money than we earn for some time until we're broke. Calculated for over 50 years by the NGO Global Footprint Network, the date is defined using six different categories, including crops, forest space and fishing zones. As lifestyles have grown more urban and consumer-driven, the date has come to pass earlier and earlier in the year, going from the 29th of December in 1970 to the 7th of August in 2010. But activists say there are still ways we can slow down its progress through the calendar. There are three solutions. One, change our diets to reduce meat consumption and to eat better meat as well as more plant-based protein. Two, stop deforestation and make sure that the EU puts regulations in place to ensure that we don't have products on our shelves that are linked to deforestation. And thirdly, to move towards other farming methods. In 2020, the Covid crisis and lockdowns around the world led to a drop in resource consumption. That year, Overshoot Day came three weeks later than in 2019. Uh, Alexandra Galli from the Mediterranean office of the Global Footprint Network. 28th of July, the year is only just over halfway through and we're at this point already. I mean, what does it actually mean for our planet? 
What this means uh, in ecological terms is that from now on, we are building on the natural capital of the planet. So we are using the stock of resources and we are keeping accumulating CO2 in the atmosphere. So this is the problem. Now, what we see today is just the annual deficit but we have been in this deficit since the beginning of 1970s. So over the past 50 years almost, we have accumulated a debt uh, with our planet that is worth 19 years of planet capacity to produce resources. It's probably two or three years in a row that we, we hear people uh, here every day on the, on the news that this is the hottest summer that we have ever had. And this will probably be the same news for the, for the next few years, unfortunately. So I think it is starting to emerge an understanding of the problem and people are starting to connect the issues that they see every day. Um, well, or at least they are starting to connect the increase in temperature pressure with uh, our unsustainable lifestyle. So people are searching for alternatives. The problem is making these alternatives visible and accessible uh, for them. This is why this year we have launched the idea of the power of possibility. We have collected on our website uh, really a huge set of uh, solutions that already exist and that if scaled up could help us uh, reverse overshoot day. So I think people want to, but it's a matter of one, knowing the alternatives and two, having the will to change, both personally and the political will to implement, let's say the enabling condition for the change. Oftentimes, our message comes uh, across as a very damning and like negative uh, message. I personally hate when people speak about a problem and then they say, but don't worry, we still have time to do it. I think we still have time to do it, but the window of intervention we have, it's really, really a short one. And many scientists say that is in the order of five years. If we don't manage to put our acts together and start reversing the issues in the next five years, we may run the risk of uh, an irreversible destabilization of the Earth system. So. There is time, but there is not much time. Alexandra Galli from the Mediterranean Office of the Global Footprint Network. An emergency plan by the EU to save fuel for the upcoming winter. Member states agreed to voluntarily cut gas use by 15% from August to March. The principle is that we will share the pain equally. We have a clear alignment of unity and solidarity and we wanted to send a clear signal to the world and to Kremlin. The latest move from the EU comes amid concerns over further supply disruptions from Moscow. This after Russian state-owned energy giant Gazprom said it would cut gas supplied via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to 20% from Wednesday. Gazprom says supply cuts are due to a turbine which has not arrived after maintenance in Canada. The company also claiming a second turbine is now showing defects. Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. 
a viewpoint on the violent gang chaos in Haiti, saying it is the result of centuries of foreign intervention, large business consortiums, and NGOs, as well as the 2010 earthquake and last year's presidential assassination. The first African woman vice president of Colombia, Francia Marquez, is touring other South American countries talking about integration between nations. In the UK, Palestinian supporters are disrupting work at companies manufacturing weapons for Israel. In New York City, environmental activists declared a climate emergency as the climate clock moved from seven years to six. Radio Havana, Cuba. Haiti could soon cease to be a country with the attributes that are generally recognized to become a fragmented territory under the domination of violent armed gangs, which impose their laws in a given area and face each other for control of neighborhoods and their people. This is the result of centuries of foreign intervention, of abuses committed by powers, large business consortiums, and not a few of those organizations known as non-governmental, which prevented the development of a solid, sovereign, and independent state. Things began to get completely out of control after the January 2010 earthquake, which exposed extreme weakness of local institutions, but the most critical point occurred in July last year, when President Dovenel Moise was assassinated, still not clarified. Since then, that sister nation has been practically headless, and all attempts to form an executive capable of imposing order and bringing the mafia groups to heel have failed. The situation is dramatic in a nation that ranks eighth in the world in terms of food insecurity, with 22% of children suffering from chronic malnutrition and varying degrees of homelessness. This weekend, it happened in the neighborhood of City of Toilo, perhaps the poorest of the poor, a very peculiar event when some 315 children and some adults broke into a school in search of refuge to escape the usual shootings that occur in that place. Only last week, clashes between gangs caused some 300 deaths in the Haitian capital, which has become a nobody's land. The infants, including many who do not know if their parents are alive or not, or what their whereabouts are, have in fact turned the educational establishment closed for the summer holidays into an improvised camp. Nobody's having a good time in that Caribbean country, which, by the way, is in the process of being surrounded by its neighbors in the Dominican Republic, but the children are the ones who suffer the most. The economic crisis and violence made them targets of organized crime for labor or sexual exploitation. Many minors are forced into early marriage, unwanted pregnancies or rape, networks from which it is practically impossible to live. As with other tragedies in Palestine, Myanmar, or Libya, the international community prefers to look away believing that it is true that, out of sight, out of mind, without realizing that their inaction turns them into complicit in this infamy. 
Colombia's vice president-elect, Francia Marquez, met this Tuesday in Brazil with former Brazilian president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva to discuss integration mechanisms in South America and other issues. The meeting with Lula took place at the headquarters of the Perseo Abramo Foundation in the city of Sao Paulo. Afterwards, Francia Marquez traveled on to Rio de Janeiro. In addition, a meeting with the former Minister of Women, Racial Equality and Human Rights, Nilma Gomes, and with representatives of the Landless Workers Movement and the Black Movement was reported. The Vice President-elect's visit to Brazil is part of a tour that takes place 15 days before her inauguration. This tour includes meetings with presidents and authorities of Chile, Argentina and Bolivia. In Chile, Marquez is scheduled to meet with President Gabriel Boric on Thursday, July 28th. On the following day, she will be received in Buenos Aires by Argentinian President Alberto Fernández, and on Sunday, July 31st, she will meet with Bolivian Vice President David Choquehuanca. This working tour will end on August the 1st, when Francia Marquez will attend a plurinational meeting with social organizations of indigenous and peasant women. Activist and lawyer native of Cauca, Francia Marquez, will become the first African woman to occupy the vice presidency of Colombia, together with the elected head of state, Gustavo Petro. A UK-based Israeli arms manufacturer has been raided once again by Palestinian supporters who claim to have inflicted significant damage on the property. The building belonging to UAV engines was hit as part of a wider campaign by Palestinian action activists to harass and hamper the activities of the international arms firm Elbit Systems. Palestine Action claimed that their latest direct action was in retaliation to an Israeli regime assault on the Palestinian city Nablus on Sunday, which saw at least two Palestinians killed and many others injured. Palestine Action have vowed to respond to continued Israeli aggression with sustained protests targeting Israeli arms industry across Britain and their partners. Palestine Action says their relentless raids have successfully forced the closure of two Elbit sites in London and Oldham. A spokesperson for Elbit acknowledged the incident, claiming it was an attack by a violent group. Although no one was harmed during the raid, Palestine Action's site remains fixed squarely on UAV engines, so locals can expect more of the same scenes going forward. In New York City, activists declare a climate emergency as they observe the famous climate clock in Union Square ticking down from seven years to six years. The clock marks the estimated time left to keep global heating below 1.5 degrees Celsius. Speaking with ABC's This Week, former Vice President Al Gore said on Sunday that extreme weather events will get even worse without immediate action on climate. Al Gore told ABC News, if we don't stop using our atmosphere as an open sewer and if we don't stop these heat trap in emissions, things are going to get a lot worse. More people will be killed and the survival of our civilization is at stake. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though there are not podcasts up there. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6000, 6060, or 6165. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report, or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal, or by writing to danroberts at p 
P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like listeners in Bozeman, Montana, and Athens, Georgia did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with NHK World Radio Japan. Troops in Taiwan are holding large-scale military exercises this week, and mainland China became very agitated. A group of Japanese lawmakers is calling on the government for a stronger response to recent executions by Myanmar's junta. Japan has become the world's hotspot of COVID infections, according to the World Health Organization. Railway workers in Britain have staged a walkout for higher wages to match inflation. NHK Japan Troops in Taiwan are holding large-scale annual exercises this week. They got a thumbs-up from President Tsai Ing-wen, who watched from a destroyer as they prepared for a possible attack by China. Tsai was seen Tuesday off the Pacific coast of a military port in Yilan County. The Air Force and Navy practiced defensive live-fire operations against enemy fighter jets, submarines, and warships. The drill left China's foreign ministry seething. There will be no exit on the path to independence. Taiwan is deluded about confronting China militarily. Any attempt is doomed to fail. Beijing is increasingly flexing flexing its own muscles in the region. In May, Chinese fighter planes and helicopters conducted more than 300 takeoffs and landings from an aircraft carrier off Taiwan's east coast. Now for more on the situation, Yamamoto Miki earlier spoke to NHK World's Patricia Liu in Taipei. Tell us how Tsai Ing-wen's administration is responding to China's pressure. Many efforts are focused on strengthening defense abilities. The administration is taking cues from Ukraine. The country's continued resistance against the invasions has earned its significant international support, including weaponry. Taiwan wants to signal the same resolve, that Taiwan's self-defense determination is solid. Tsai is trying to do that through frequent visits to military units. Tsai's administration has also opted defense spending to increase the production of military ships and missiles. Next on the agenda, trying to increase the strategic value of Taiwan. The administration wants to position itself as what it calls the forefront of defending democracy from the expansions of authoritarianism. The goal, further involving the international community in maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. There are signs of promise in that regard. The United States and Japan may be top of mind, but some European politicians have recently become more and more publicly supportive of strengthening relations with Taiwan. Despite these efforts, the administration is trying to maintain status quo. As Tsai Ing-wen often says, 
Taiwan will neither bow to pressures nor act rashly when it has support. A nonpartisan group of Japanese lawmakers is calling on their government for a stronger response to recent executions by Myanmar's junta. The military's governing council confirmed the deaths on Tuesday. Four people were executed. They include pro-democracy activist Cho Min Yu and former lawmaker Pyo Zia To. The latter was a close aide to the country's ousted de facto leader, Aung San Suu Kyi. The Japanese lawmakers issued a statement in an emergency meeting Wednesday criticizing the killings with what they call the greatest anger. They say Myanmar's military has repeatedly attacked citizens. The lawmakers cited airstrikes and systematic burning of villages, among other human rights violations. They say the executions represent a massacre that cannot be tolerated, and the Japanese government needs to increase pressure on Myanmar's junta to stop the violence. They're urging for stronger, more effective sanctions to be imposed on the country as soon as possible. Now, the lawmakers also criticized Japan's defense ministry. It accepted senior officers from Myanmar's military into training programs here in Japan, despite the lawmakers calling on the ministry in May to cancel the plan. The officers were accepted before news of the executions came out. But the lawmakers say at that time, Myanmar's military had already announced its intentions to carry out the four executions. Ministry officials reportedly told the lawmakers they're seriously concerned about the executions. They promised to deal appropriately with Myanmar's military personnel. Japan has become the world's new coronavirus hotspot. Case counts are skyrocketing this month, and the country is reporting record-breaking numbers in back-to-back days. Authorities confirmed more than 230,000 new cases on Thursday, along with 114 deaths. The number of deaths has been trending up over the weeks, but it's still well below the highs in the previous wave. 18 prefectures are reporting record infection numbers. They include Fukuoka, Hyogo, and Tokyo. The capital had a single-day record of more than 40,000 new cases, which is an increase of about 8,500 compared to Thursday last week. Japan Post says more than 150 post offices across the nation were closed on Wednesday. It's due to workers being either infected or designated as close contacts. The World Health Organization says Japan leads the planet with the highest number of new cases in the seven days through Sunday. Railway workers in Britain have staged a walkout to demand higher wages to cope with surging inflation. A labor union says about 40,000 members across the country joined Wednesday's strike that brought much of the network to a halt. The union says employers have proposed pay raises of only about 4 percent when inflation is running above 9 percent. Workers formed a picket line at Euston Station in central London. One of them said staff haven't had pay increases that keep pace with rising prices. We're here to demonstrate to this government that we're not just going to let them bully us around. We are going to stand up for what we deserve, which is a future and good job security and a good working environment for us all to operate in. Otherwise, the industry will suffer. Only about 20 percent of normal train services were running. Some passengers were visibly frustrated, while others expressed support for the strike, saying railway staff deserve better treatment. 
there may be further disruptions to everyday life as workers in other sectors, including medical and postal services, are also considering industrial action. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. This shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. This shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.